I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and this week we're delving into our archive, looking back to June 2018, where we spoke to three Japanese music fans who kindly invited us on a journey through their record collections. In this series, we explore the influence of the Japanese underground scene, from the club music of Kyoto to the record stores of Osaka, discovering and exploring the sounds that have emerged over the past 40 years. And I just started going out to shows, finding music that I'd just never heard anything like before. In this final part of our trilogy, we focus on some of the pioneering Japanese music from the 1990s. I mean, it's a punk album, but it's going so much further. It's visiting places that I'd never imagined punk music could have gone. We are joined by Ian Martin, author of Quit Your Band, Musical Notes from the Japanese Underground. He takes us into the live music scene and some of the more experimental and noise-based artists. My name's Ian Martin. I'm a music journalist based in Tokyo. I also um, run a very small uh, indie label here called Call and Response Records. I'm the author of the book Quit Your Bound, Musical Notes from the Japanese Underground, which uh, came out a couple of years ago now. The way I got into Japanese music was um, like I've been living here for, well, really just for a few months. I moved here in 2001, towards the end of 2001, and I just started going out to shows and finding music that I'd just never heard anything like before. There wasn't any reliable information telling me what I was supposed to be listening to. Like when I was growing up in the UK, it's like you listen to, I mean, at the time you'd listen to Radio 1, the NME, sometimes <laughs> they'd tell you about something good. But I think you ended up getting a slightly more mainstream leaning idea of what of what music was if you were discovering it in the clubs you were just getting everything all at once and you were, you'd end up picking up all kinds of very strange things first track I've picked out here is Pop Tatari by uh, Boredom's 1992 album, also called Pop Tatari. Boredom's are um, you know, probably one of the most well-known Japanese underground bands. They had their roots in the, uh, in the 80s among, with like crazy bands like Hanatarash, you know, coming out of this sort of Osaka, Kansai area, sort of noise rock scene and experimental sort of post-punk scene. This album's 
kind of an interesting one because it was their first album on a major label. And when you listen to this now and you look at what kinds of music major labels in Japan are putting out these days, it's almost unthinkable. It's like this transmission from an alternative universe where sort of crazy mishmash of every single, of just like all rock and punk and just weird bits of like bubble gum and all of these things are all just like thrown in together in the most sort of offensive and horrible sounding way. The next track connects with the boredoms in a way. So this is uh, Yoshida Otomo. He's a you know very well-renowned composer and experimental musician, covered a whole range of genres as a solo artist, collaborating with all kinds of people and also with his the band he was in in the 90s, Grand Zero, who we'll hear a bit more from later. <laughs> This track and a lot of this, a lot of the tracks on this album, "The Night Before the Death of the Sampling Virus," features I Yamantaka from the Boredoms. The crazy screaming on here is that's him, and he's all over this album. An incredibly strange record. It has like about. 40, 50, 60, 70 tracks on it. All of them, these like really just like insane collisions of screaming and then little bits from TV commercials and things like that. What this has in common with the boredoms, I think, as well, is this it's got this similar idea of kind of car crash collision of um, pop culture in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect and done in a very kind of aggressive style. <laughs> Yeah, the, um, the third album I picked up was Desire for Agony by Zenny Gaver and the, the track Dead Sun Rising. Like Zenny Gaver is another band that has a boredom's connection there because the guitarist who's playing with them at this time, Mitsuru Tabata, he was one of the uh, sort of first-generation members of the Boredoms, um, although he'd left by the time Pop Tatari came out. Zeni Gavra, again, they're coming from, like, uh, definitely from a, a punk background, but also it's, like, punk with this much deeper influence of, like, progressive rock. There wasn't really the same kind of division between punk and progressive rock in Japanese music that there was in, in British music. I think that progressive rock was so sort of underground in the 70s that it just flowed quite sort of naturally into what a lot of the punks were doing. This album was, I think, the first thing that Zenny gave a release on the Alternative Tentacles label run by Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. And it was recorded with Steve Albini, which I think you can kind of hear that in the sound. I just think it's it's an amazing example of Japanese bands, especially in the 90s, taking things that would probably sound familiar to kind of Western listeners there, but taking it way, way, way further. I, th I think it's also an example, and you can, you can see it with a lot of these artists, I think, in the 90s, that going overseas and working with like foreign producers or getting put out by um, 
foreign record labels that's made people wake up and pay attention to these bands, even in their own country, that maybe nobody in Japan would have really cared that much about a lot of this stuff if it wasn't for the fact that people overseas were listening to it, you know. But the next, the next one on here is is Ruins, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the title of this one. Was it Hydro Mastgroningen? The, the the track was a contemporary uh, music number one. Are this um, again similar to Zeni Gabriel, and actually dr- the drummer Tatsuya Yoshida played with Zeni Gabriel for a couple of years in the early days, and then rejoined the band in the in the two thousands. So with Ruins, they're definitely taking something from progressive rock. Though it's a clear influence, I think, of stuff like King Crimson. But there's this um, influence, I think, from American hardcore as well, or like I guess what you call post hardcore or math rock. There's this very kind of stripped down, minimal and quite aggressive sound to it. Again, like Zenny Gaver, I think that there's ideas that come from heavy metal in there that, again, I think people from, uh, certainly come from the British post-punk scene maybe wouldn't have considered that cool. And again, Ruins are another band made a big impact overseas. I think this album came out from uh, John Zorn's Sadik label, which has released dozens, hundreds of Japanese underground rock records over the years. The next band on here is, again, probably one of the best-known Japanese underground bands overseas, um, and another band who probably, they're certainly nowhere near as big in Japan as they are overseas, but they're definitely a very well-respected band in Japan. It's uh, Mel Banana and the album Scratch or Stitch, which, like Ruins, came out in 1995. They're another band who've um, worked with John Zorn on releases and I think recorded with Steve Albini. track I picked out is What Do You Slaughter Next? I think this album was, in a way, their breakthrough album. They're one of the few bands on this list that I would have heard of when I was growing up in the 90s. I heard Melt Banana on John Peel's show and he uh, he raved about them. 
I, I think I remember him saying something like that everyone in the world needs to see Mel Banana live at least once. And uh, when I eventually did see them after moving to Japan, supporting Wire, yeah, it was incredible. It was one of the sort of life-changing experiences for me. This is an amazing album. I mean, it's again, it's a punk album, but it's going so much further. It's visiting places that I'd never imagined punk music could have gone. Agatha's guitar on at any time, he, he made these incredible sounds, you know, these guitar textures that are doing stuff that's, yeah, that just goes way further than what I thought this kind of music could sound like. And then, you know, you've got Yasuko's vocals that, well, you know, they're distinctive. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, the next one is Pulse Demon by Merzbau from 1996 and the track uh, Spiral Blast. He, he's been going since the, um, since the early to mid-80s, releases like 100 albums a year. <laughs> it's the only like full-on noise record that I chose for this list. I could have chosen more here, but when you're picking out albums, I always feel that full-on noise as opposed to like noise rock which i think a lot of the stuff on here is you know full-on noise which you know there's no drums in it there's no guitars it's just grinding ear-splitting machine noise it's a difficult thing to say oh this is the album you need to listen to it's the kind of music that i always feel really needs to be experienced live you need to be locked in a room and just let yourself get terrorized by this stuff as soon as you record it it's kind of dead but yeah, of the um, million albums Merzbau's made, this one kind of stands out, I guess. It's um, it's definitely kind of widely widely regarded as uh, as a classic. The obsession with uh, yeah, these kind of horror images on there. Yeah, like so the Boredom's album Pop Tatari Tatari means curse. Uh, in Japanese and uh, night before the death of the sampling virus, desire for agony <laughs> pulse demon yeah there, there are a lot of these um, sort of horror influences I don't know where it comes from, you know, I guess a lot I guess some of it comes from you know, it's just the fact that they're making like obviously very aggressive and confrontational music It's uh, and certainly some of these bands like Zenigaba with desire for agony, that's really like a heavy metal album title isn't it and there's definitely a metal influence on what they're doing pulse demon i don't know it's in a, um i guess you just kind of listen to it and that's what it sounds like it sounds like a demon to him so that's where he gets it from for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The next track is um, the only track off of Acid Mother's Temple and the Melting Pariso UFOs 1997 album, which came out on the legendary PSF label. This album, like I think more than anything else on in this selection, this album's really mainlining that 1970s Japanese underground sound that you'd have heard from you know, bands like sort of Hadaka no Rallies or Gleuradi Denuday. Yeah, those kinds of like really dirty, nasty sounding 1970s like heavy psychedelic rock bands. The track's called Acid Mother's Prayer, and it's about, what, 50, 55 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Acid Mother's Temple, I think their roots were in like Nagoya, kind of in the center of Japan, but they're very closely associated with the Osaka music scene. So a lot of connections. There's some connections there with the with the boredoms, like Tabata from Zenigaver and the Boredoms was he, he was a long time member of Acid Mothers, although I think not at this time. Even Acid Mothers, I think what they have they have something in common with a lot of these bands in that they're kind of um not indiscriminate, but they're quite wide ranging in the musical influences they definitely drawn on a lot of the same sort of punk and heavy metal influences that some of these other bands have. They're not uh, purely like a retro thing. They're part of a, a tradition that goes back to the 70s rather than like a throwback to the 70s, if that makes sense. The next album is uh, Play Standards by Grand Zero. This is, you know, as kind of representative of the the whole sweep of like 90s underground music in Japan. I think it's an interesting one. This band is Yoshihide Otomo's band. So we've we've seen him before earlier on in this same same rundown of of albums. This song's a a cover of the song Bones by um, Fred Frith's old band from the early 80s, Massacre. I mean, this album's an interesting album in the context of what I've been saying before. I think this point I keep coming back to about musicians just like creating these like unholy collisions of different musical genres, uh, using all kinds of um, bizarre and unconventional sounds. And the album does this a lot. Um, It's an album of cover versions. I think they've been selected very carefully based on artists and songs that are important to Otomo. Most of the tracks on it, or a lot of the tracks on it, like combine two different songs, often like completely sort of unexpected yeah, collisions of two different songs, and then does something sort of horrible and wonderful with them. But this track is, by utmost standards, almost straight take on a, a song that's already quite out there. Plus, it's just an incredible, amazing song. It starts out, you're like, okay, I get this. This is a piece of music. And then it sort of devolves into into insanity. (laughs) 
Okay, coming near the end here, the second from last track is uh, OOYOO from their 1997 album, which I think is just called OOYOO, but they, they write it in a sort of bizarre way with like an eight and two infinity symbols. The track I picked out is Sister 001. Um, OOYOO are another band with a very strong like Boredoms connection. Like Yoshimi, the drummer from the Boredoms, uh, she founded OOYOO. Although it's very much like its own thing. It's not just like a side project. They have a really wonderful and sort of bizarre sort of meandering catalogue of, um, of albums. Even within one album, they'll just ping from one sound to another effortlessly, really. And I think where they're different from the boredoms is that where the boredoms are like taking this delight in throwing these like really aggressive collisions of different sounds at you, what OOIOO do is they very smoothly move from one thing to another. Well, it's less, less confrontational, but musically, I think perhaps richer and it's going a bit, um, it explores the music in a little bit more, in a bit more depth. difficult to pick one track out that represents them as a band but this one does a fairly good job of that it's um, got these like the kind of tribal rhythms in it and these the chanting and there's this psychedelic aspect to it but there's also you know throwing back to some of these you know things that might sound similar to someone who'd grown up with bands like the raincoats and like the post-punk era as well yeah you know they're still going now still making great music when they feel like it and um, generally an amazing band that everybody should know about track I picked out here is is the song Hitchhike by Panic Smile off their album EFYL from 1998. I think their second album, although the first one was uh, like a, a cassette release that, that sort of vanished for a long time. Yeah, Panic Smile are um, probably the least well-known overseas out of all of these artists I've picked out here, but they were a very important band like in the underground scene that I was getting into when I first came here. Yeah, they've had a big influence. They had a big influence on a lot of the um, the artists that, that I discovered that like really kind of got me into the music scene here. One of the first shows that really sort of like blew my mind open to the kind of stuff that was going on here 
they were at that show and I had no idea what they were doing. I was like, what is this? This is horrible. You know? <laughs> and um, I kept seeing them. They just kept being at the shows that I wanted to see. And like, the more I listened to them, the more I realized, you know, there's this huge hole in what I'd grown up listening to that I just didn't, I didn't know. Next to some of the other bands on here, they might seem maybe more like conventionally kind of alternative rock. They were certainly influenced by a lot of the stuff that Steve Albini was doing in the, the 80s and 90s. Some of the kind of well, stuff like Dinosaur Jr. and also like post-punk bands like Wire, I think was a big influence on them. And Captain Beefheart going back a bit before that. I think they just taught a lot of bands in the music scene the kinds of bands that you'd just see, you know, if you went out to to a show at a venue like Akihabara Club Goodman, where um, Hajime Yoshida from Panic Smile was like the booking manager for for a while. Yeah, you'd find a lot of these same kinds of influences, these like music that was like using these like punk and alternative rock chords, but like stitching it together in a way that was that was a bit more avant-garde than that. You know, um, they're a band who'll take a lot of unexpected shifts from one section of a song into another section, but then they'll always do something later on that just lets you know this isn't just like a random sort of collision of different things. There's a sort of method to it. It'll come back and you'll realize that there's something that they've been doing the whole time that is just holding the whole thing together. They, I think they've done that increasingly well as their career's gone on. They've... Um, you know, they, they've developed a lot as musicians despite changing their lineup quite a lot. But you can really hear the beginnings of that on this track and on this album. I'll go out to, I'll go out to like three or four shows a week, you know, <laughs> and uh, you just stand through a lot of horrible, horrible music and occasionally find something fantastic. I, it's all word of mouth, really, though. It's like you find people you like, you ask them who they're into. And that was the way I found my way through things. My tastes are more extreme now than they used to be, but uh, partly just because I have, I've just had access to information about all kinds of music that maybe in my teens or my early 20s I'd never have heard of. I think that Japan, if you can find it, is a really great place to keep finding new great things though.
Thanks to Ian for speaking to us. If this is your first listen to this mini trilogy, do click back to discover our other two editions, looking at the decades of the 70s through the ears of radio show host Japan Blues and 80s via the amazing compilations of American reissue label Light in the Attic. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds such as this and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.